0: Today's very special episode is with Naya Patrinos, the creator of the Moonphase Goddess card deck that inspired my journey and subsequent illustration adventure with these goddesses. For anyone listening before the 23rd of October 2023, please know that there is a giveaway happening on my Instagram page for a deck of my Moonphase Goddess cards and a print of your natal moon goddess, so please if you would like to be in with a chance of receiving that, follow me, like the post, and comment on it. Welcome to the podcast today, everyone. I am super excited to be here with Naya, um, who I came across as in this wild web of amazing women. I came across through Uma Thuli's work. Uh, in twenty twenty it feels like much longer ago um but the reason I found her is that Naya designed and has connected with the moon phase goddesses, which if you follow me, you know that I have also now created a set of illustrations of those moon phase goddesses um Nia Naya, Naya is also a set designer and many other and many other forms of art that she creates and i'm so I'm really excited to jump into our conversation today um and just delve into like the whys and the hows and the 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 wiggly journey that we take to kind of get to where we are so Naya thank you for being here thank you for giving your time to this podcast um I'd love to just hear whatever you need to share today that kind of tells us a little bit about who you are and what makes you tick.
1: okay well I'm again my name is Naya Petrinos and What makes me tick? I was thinking about that. uh, Because you're giving me some questions. Yoga is very, very important to me. Like yoga, when I'm really in my practice, things are going well in my life. And when I move away from my practice, things get out of balance. So that's a real, like, key thing for my life. Right now, I'm not teaching as much, although I am teaching today but I'm more practicing. I go out in times where I'm teaching more and just a lot of times where I'm just a student and that's more the phase that I'm in now. Uh, nature is a huge thing for me and that's why I did a lot of work around the moon. Um, I tell the story is that I work in television a lot as a set decorator and we work a tremendous amount of hours, like so many hours. There could be weeks where I work 100 hours a week. 16 18 hour days is very common not right now because there's a strike but one of the main uh, constants with me in nature is the moon like it's there when I go to my garage because my garage is kind of in these like kind of chicken coop kind of places I live in this historic condo complex that's very much in nature so the moon it was Always there in my main connection to nature, but then I I try to get outside when I can, like outside of the city or in natural spots in the city, and then also um the goddess, incredibly and in, in, in important to me, like whoever that is, that divine mother, all her names, because I'm like super influenced by like the work of Joseph Campbell, and also even um, and some of the sutras when they say the name are many but the truth is one so that's like super important to me uh family ancestry uh my mom is uh descended from gola geechee people in uh, south carolina so i'm super proud to be like happy uh, like a geechee woman gola geechee woman or have that in my ancestry and my father is Greek and Jewish. So I have a lot of um, kind of different things in my blood. I'm also a Gemini. So there are a lot of different things, but i will say ancestry, family, uh, social justice. I want the, when we say in the end of yoga, like, loka, samasta, sukino, bhavantu, like, may everyone all beings know love and peace but also may my thoughts deeds and actions contribute to the love and peace known by the entire world like I have to do something right like yoga if yoga means skill and action like there has to be action so we have to do stuff like we can't just this is my everybody have their own but my journey is like we have to do things Make a difference. Get out there. Talk to people. Um, protest. Make art. And what else did I write? I think that's it. Art. Art. Art is, art is huge. Mm. Art. Art is my like love, but also uh, a source of sometimes sadness, disappointment. But uh, art is really important to me. I think like that. I think that's. Like the whole thing. I think I think I just said everything really in the world is important.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't know. I think that's a pretty amazing like little menagerie of things that definitely from how I hear it feed into each other. But, you know, they're all there is this kind of thread that joins them all together. And similarly to you, for me, creativity is definitely if if I feel that my creative juices are. Either not flowing or not being used, then then I'm in trouble. Like then I'm in a kind of icky waters, and that's similar to what you said about yoga. And I'm the same with exercise as well, or like something doing something physical. Not always yoga, but that is my background too. I'm also a yoga practitioner. But is I think it's that that those things that help us to find, you know, find how we are, where we are, like whether we're connected to ourselves or not. I hear that in what you shared too.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think when I I, I pulled back from teaching so much yoga, because I feel like my art got lost. Although I know that teaching yoga is also an art, like when I was teaching a lot and designing teacher trainings and classes and workshops, it was very artistic, and very creative. But there's something about for me putting the hand to the paper that I got away from, that I felt like I've got to get back to that because that's so important and it's not possible. I'm really learning now, later in life. I mean, um, it's not possible to do everything. You can't do everything. I always wanted to do everything and thought about how I could do everything. Like even today, I'm like thinking about how can I do everything? How right. can I go to yoga and study and teach tonight and talk to you and interview somebody else? And do my homework and draw. Like, do the laundry. Like, even in my getting away from, how do I'm not going to do everything? I'm still like trying to do everything, and I really want to move away from that. But it's like so deep in me. But I don't think it's super healthy because sometimes in doing everything, or figuring out how to do everything, we're not being in the present moment, or I'm not, and I'm not finding joy. Right that. Ananda kosha, that joy. So when I get overscheduled, and I'm going to do everything in my finding joy. So, so that's like some of the things that I ask myself, and some of the things that I'm still trying to work through in my life. When I saw all these questions you gave me, I was like, wow, a lot of my answers are like, I don't know, I'm struggling with that. Like, I'm not the expert on that. I'm just, I'm just a person. And a lot of times I think when we have yoga teachers, we think that they're uh, gurus, like they know everything. I always tell people, I'm not a guru, I'm just a teacher, like I'm just struggling with all the same things that you're struggling with. You know, it's just life is a journey, and it's complicated, and it's messy. and But that's kind of what's cool about it. Mm. Yes,
0: yes, letting that land. I, I really... I really resonate with so much of what you just shared and just to kind of tail off or catch on to the tail of what you said that's definitely a key thing for me with the with holding space and teaching is when I did my trainings I never really taught partly because of that like kind of complex of like I need I need to be so kind of sorted in everything in my life that and and then i can teach and then i can hold space but actually it's like it's what you share that that actually that authenticity comes when we're like no i'm you know i'm in it too i'm in this kind of dance of life and i don't know the answers and i don't know is a very um you know it's a, it's a perfectly adequate answer to any question <laughs> like i don't know it's such a it's a full it's a full sentence <laughs> it doesn't need to be I'm just per-
1: I prefer it to people making up bullshit answers. You know? Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. Like we're done with that. I feel like we're done with that. <laughs> so just briefly to kind of skirt back. you. So you are a set designer and the likelihood.
1: I'm are- a set decorator. So they're different. They're different. Th- you know, I did study set design and I worked as a set designer a bit in, um in theater, but in, um, Television actually set deck, like when you get an Oscar at Emmy, it doesn't go to the set designer. It goes to the production designer and the set decorator. Okay. So it's a different field, like set design and film and television is a person who drafts up other people's ideas. Right. So a set decorator, we're responsible for finding all the stuff in the in the film, like all the art and the rugs and the furniture. And the lighting and the the drapes, and you know the basket that goes on the table and the silverware and the chairs. So we're like doing all of the kind of material culture of the uh, of the project. And we're really building character and environments where the production designer is like choosing the wall color and figuring out the structure of the room. I'm bringing everything into the room like I'm or the city or whatever we do exteriors the park the um the border crossing once I I, I built we built a whole border to fake the Mexican California border we did it in San Diego at the football stadium so like I'm bringing all those things
0: amazing you so So, okay. So you shared with me before we started recording that sometimes that, that work when you're on set and you're in, in a contract that can be incredibly time consuming and yeah, I guess exhausting um, and hopefully creatively fulfilling, but um, so how, yeah, how, And I'll share in the in the notes um, Naya's website so you can see because I'm sure most of the listeners will have seen something that you've been working on. When you when I had a look through, I was like, wow, oh my goodness, I've seen that series and I've seen that movie and I know that set that you 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 worked on. So that's incredible.
1: Yeah, Uh, I have two websites. I have one for my yoga art life, art yoga fusion, and then I have another website for my um, television film life. So I have them separated like a good Gemini. Like they're two different <laughs> worlds. I don't feel like the television film people really understand the yoga world that are the art yoga spirituality world that I'm in. So I've just kind of separated them.
0: Okay, so this I am curious about because this is a dance that I was definitely have been within my career kind of doing. Is like how yeah how do these things merge and how do they merge and how do I explain? how I know they kind of influence each other but I guess my initial question is when you're when you are doing in a contract and you're working you know these intensive hours how how do you nourish yourself and how do you make sure that your kind of personal creativity let's say doesn't fall by the wayside completely or or do you let do you have to let it go and then you consciously bring it back afterwards
1: I let it go a lot, like let's say when I worked on Pam and Tommy, this kind of big show for Hulu, I wasn't even at a certain point able to go to yoga. I was Bye. working like 18, 20 hours a day. I just was trying to stay alive. I was afraid I was gonna fall asleep in the wheel and just be done. You yeah. know, I just, I, I, some shows I work on, they're not as hard and I can still do stuff. I write down my ideas all the time it's like I worked in the Dominican Republic uh, in 2022 a lot on the show St. X, and I had so many ideas about things I wanted to do around um, Mother Mary, right? But I couldn't do them. I bought all these art supplies with me, but I, I never touched them. Uh, but what I did is I had a Google uh, document on my phone, and as I had ideas, I just wrote them into my phone. And so then when I got back and that project was over, I came back and I had this intense um, time, I think I'm still even in it really, of art making, Mm -hmm. personal art making, because film and television is collaborative work, which has its enjoyment, but sometimes it's like I want to tell the stories I want to tell, I don't want any approval on it. I don't want anybody to choose the script for me. I don't want there to be any director. Like I want to be the director, the writer, the star in my own work. And I can't do that in film and television. So I just sort of list my ideas. And then when I can get to them, I don't, I know what they are. You know, Mm -hmm. it's not like, what am I going to do? I I know what it is. And then sometimes I'm just working on uh, what I, I, took a like a lot of classes in creativity like a training and there was this idea of creating in between you know when you're at lunch or you're in line at target buying sheets just some kind of working on things like sometimes i'm driving and i want to edit a yoga nidra so i'll just listen to it uh while i'm driving and i'll Press my phone like screenshot the yeah. time code when I see I hear that something needs to be edited. You know it's like crazy things like that because some people say to me, "Naya, I don't know how you have so much productivity." I think of my sister and her husband always say, "You're so prolific when you work so much," but I think it's all that created in between, putting you know trying to figure out how to how can I do it. Uh, at lunch or while I'm driving, what can I think about? Uh, what can I learn by listening to books on tape or podcasts when I'm I drive a lot? So that's what I'm saying when I'm driving. Right now, I'm in school full time during the strike, and a lot of t- times at lunch, I do things. Everybody else goes to lunch. I go to lunch sometimes with people, but most of the week during lunch, I'll just eat my lunch because I want that time. To do whatever I'm working on, that time is important to me, yeah, and so i'm I'm trying to make use of odd times and somehow they add up together, and something gets made
2: eventually mm. yeah,
0: and i I feel like something that's unraveling in me, which is connected to what you just shared is is that my my conditioning I think was like hard work means that you sit down at a desk or you know wherever you are and you you focus on something for many many hours um in my graphic design kind of background that was you know working late was so normal and just being like you know for hours and hours at a time and now that sometimes still does is is a productive way for me to work but other times it is that it is that 20 minutes or that 10 minutes that I've got spare that I'll just jot something down or I'll scribble something or I'll be like, oh, I'll just cut a little bit of this lino that I'm working on. And, you know, like you say, that that adds up and it actually means that the the idea and the creativity has a bit more space around it because you're, you're not trying, I, I'm not trying to force it all out in an eight hour block or something.
1: Yeah, it gets to simmer a little bit, like uh, yeah. good good tomato sauce, like it <laughs> simmers. So like, let me talk about when I made the Moon Goddess deck. It took me really? seven years to make that because right. what I would do is I taught a class called Lunar Yoga on Monday nights, mm. and whatever Moon Goddess was that night, I would incorporate her into the class. I would do the moon salutations. I would talk a little bit about her in the beginning. Uh, I would do some research during the week, maybe right before the class, because, you know, I I had that deadline of teaching the class. And then I would teach some kind of yoga nidra related to her at the end of the class. And I did that for many weeks, maybe more than a year or so. And at a certain point, I realized that certain goddesses weren't ever appearing on Monday night. Mm. and. I had never done them, and then certain ones I had done many times, so it was becoming familiar. And then some of my students were really, really interested in it. And then I think it was either a Thanksgiving that I had a couple of days off or a Christmas break, and then I finished all the all the gods that were goddesses that weren't appearing, and I put together the first deck. And I w- the first prototypes of the decks were I would just lay out a little. Um, graphic with a little bit of information about the goddesses and I would hand that out to the students in the class and that eventually became the cards you know so it it got designed from there but it really built over a long amount of time and then there were just some goddesses there were just no information on especially all the goddesses related to Kali so that was quite hard to figure that out, but I just I just read a ton of things and when I was in India or I broke down the Sanskrit in their names or figured out who they were related to in the Greek canon because there's a lot of uh, similarities between ancient Greece and India and there's some a lot of shared traits between the gods and goddesses in that culture and then I might be chanting something at the Shivananda ashram, and I'd see, oh, there's one of the moon goddesses in there. Okay, I'm going to get this part of the chant. Or I ended up taking this uh, class on the Kali's yantra at the Yogini ashram in, in the southern part of Los Angeles, and they were talking about how all the, these, the nichas um, sit on, on, her, uh, on her yantra and then I went to the bathroom one day at that uh, ashram and there was a huge chart of all the niches and I was just taking pictures of it or whatever. And so it just, it took a long time, many years to, to put that information together because the Lalita, though, what I call the Lalita niches, because some traditions just use what I call the lalita niches. You count up with them and then after the full moon, you count back with them. But I really felt like, because I'm really a devotee of Kali, that that we shouldn't uh, leave out this other side. And then some people won't even teach those Kali niches because they say that they're too um, scary. But I think as a black woman, um, I really embrace the go- dark goddess, and I also, with somebody who's like studied. Carl Jung and other traditions, I think that there is a lot to be said in exploring the darkness. I needed to explore the darkness in myself. And so without that, for me, that side of the deck, it's not as meaningful. Like it it just clicked into me that I really love this idea of the Lilita niches being the the waxing and, and the Kali niches being the waning. And then there were just no really um, moon salutations that related to Kali. And so then I looked back at some of the Kropalu moon salutations and things like that, just weaving a lot of information together, some with intuition. I had a teacher who said, Nayats are right if you use some of your intuition. And I had a teacher who said, Naya, I think you're getting a transmission. So I just trusted myself. Also, there was a lot of freedom when I found out a lot of modern yoga is made up, you know, when I found out that um, like a lot of modern yoga is made up by men of a very high caste in Mysore, uh, I thought, okay, you know, there's some room to figure things out and intuit things as long as you're not lying about it. Like I say in my deck, this is an interweaving of, of many things. And I'm not going to say I was in some mans, you know, I feel like some traditions even say that there was some unknown manuscript, uh, manuscript that nobody can find that they found everything from. And, you know, part of me is calling BS on that. Yeah, I'm just not sure if it's true. So I took a lot of things together, some stuff that's very known, some stuff that was not as well known and just research for many many years in many different ways like oral tradition chants um even um what's her name shabavi chopra's book on the goddess the dark goddess yogini is that book and she starts to talk about like the blue goddess and certain certain goddesses are oh my god that sounds really a lot like kula and she just calls her you know avatar of kali or this I said okay I think that is I think that's what I need for this for this card or who else or Ram Prasad and his poems to the goddess the Tara and Kali that was really important just so so many different things but it took a long long time to put it together
0: thank you for sharing that thank you for like weaving that into our conversation and I'm curious where did you first hear about them
1: so I was uh, reading this book called Yantra, and I saw these little—I uh, forgot who the author is, but I can look it up. I saw these um, drawings of the niches, just a few in that book, and I thought, "Oh my goodness, this is like—I'm so interested because I was already so interested in the moon, right?" And I also was really fascinated because people are always excited about the new moon and the full moon, but I had this. Real intuition that every day is special. It's just not the new moon and the full moon, but every day is special. So when I looked up these niches and said every day has sacred geometry, has a name of a goddess, has uh, a, a many mantras, I thought, this is a real celebration of being alive. You don't have to wait for a specific moment. I mean, I think it ties into a lot. How so my father was always waiting to retire. And he thought when he retired, he was going to do all these things, right? And he was dead six months later. So mm-hmm. he never did any of any of the things, all the travel, all the things he was going to do. And it's really imprinted on me that every day has meaning. So every night has meaning and every every night has a name.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And that just was so powerful to me. So I asked my a teacher I was studying with, Uh, Shakti teacher, Laura Amazoni, if she would uh, teach the niches. And so she did teach them, some of them, of the Lidlita ones. She doesn't believe in teaching the Kali ones. And I found also a few books. But um, what she didn't do, which I don't know if she does now, because I'm not in contact with her. But for me, she wasn't really engaged in teaching them on the day that they appeared. Like that was so important to me from the very beginning that they have a day and that day, if you talk about them, you tap more into their power.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So I don't know why I knew that or why that just had a lot of meaning for me, but that was from the beginning, something that I felt like I offered differently that embracing Kali, the Kali side and figuring out what that is and really saying we don't want to really handle these out of order. Mm You know, we want to, we, we want to tap into the energy of where they sit.
0: Yes. Yeah. Well, from my perspective, I just want to say thank you for all of that seven years of research and delving and weaving and like digging it all all together. Cause like you say, there's so little information. Um, it's a little bit better I imagine now but from what I've found there there was some information on the Kali, Kali Nityas and I am the same I, I feel like the Kali the Kali sisterhood as I have fra- framed them is is so it, it just is that is that richness that nuance and the and the kind of celebrating of the dark and the celebrating of of all of what delving into our shadows gives us, um, and I—I I think I shared with you at the time on—we uh, were messaging on Instagram when I started to draw them. But I was in a really, really dark place, and it was the—it was a—it was a full moon, so it was a kali night, and she, I'd been working quite heavily with them. And she just said to me, "Like you've got just got just got just you just got to draw me," and that's where it started. And the same as you, I only drew them on their night that was my kind of way of of making sure that I was really tapping into their energy and also similarly to what we talked about earlier is that I then obviously didn't come back to the drawing for 30 days so it gave me that space and that kind of um opportunity to revisit my relationship with each goddess and so yeah I just I yeah I just love what you share I think it's incredible um and also i know let you say that you more so than me definitely focus on um or your cards really tap into the the yantras and the moon salutations and the the mantras that go with each one as well so again i will put the link in the show notes to be able to buy Naya's cards because i still use them alongside mine as well this i find them really helpful together so
1: i have um Uh, like the affirmations, I have some charts that I made too. And like the affirmations that I came up with, with each goddess, they're just the way I could translate the Sanskrit from their mantras. Because, you know, Sanskrit is somewhat problematic to me. Because, I mean, in some ways, I very much, and that's why I'm very much a post-lineage yogini Because I really appreciate, in some ways, the Sanskrit, but I also know Sanskrit was used to lock women out and Mm -hmm. lock people out who were not of Brahmin caste and certain people who were lower caste. Even their tongues were cut out for trying to, you know, learn Sanskrit or speak in Sanskrit. So I find it like highly problematic because as a a, a womanist, a feminist, uh, a yogini to revere something that has a history of not allowing women and of being somebody who's Black and Jewish, which would be considered a very low caste, to -hmm. revere something that was only for the elite few, I have problems with, you know? Like, I so I use it, I have it on my charts, but I also offer English English language uh, accessibility. Because I don't only believe in Sanskrit, it's just something, actually something that I find very problematic. And I haven't even figured out where I exactly stand with it. So I I present those mantras. But I also want to when I get a chance to speak, say, hey, like, this has a very loaded history. Yeah. And some people don't like it when I say that, like I for a while, I would get like, hate emails on Facebook about somebody who's very anti yoga like i'm an anti yoga i'm a hater i'm not a hater i'm just trying to present things i'm not presenting solutions i'm just saying this is you've got to know that this is going on so when everybody talks about sanskrit being the most beautiful language and the most perfect language i just offer that the buddha taught in pali in the beginning because He wanted people to understand what he was saying and he wanted to be open to everyone. Mm -hmm. And Sanskrit wasn't the language for that. Later Buddhism goes back into Sanskrit as it starts to lock, want to lock people out.
0: Yeah. The problematic piece is, is, I think that was when I first started to do create the drawings, I wasn't sure if they would be something that was just for me as a journey. Um, But you know, I, I, as it went on, it, and towards the end it became clear that i did want to sort of put them out there and have them be cards but and i do have um similar similarly to you in my description i have you know a bit of bit of information but also some context around like you know this is this, this, this it's not clear-cut it's not it's there's there's a lot of problems within these systems and different lineages will have different opinions and different if you depends, you know, where in where in South Asia you kind of connect with and at what how far the Vaders got into, you know, different parts of the country and different timestamps. So and then yeah, like you say, different different control mechanisms. Where did patriot you know, where did patriarchy come in and, and how controlling was it of of people and how what mechanisms did they use to control? So um yes agree
1: it's definitely. all there sometimes people don't like things to be messy right definitely but it is very very um, messy in the beginning I didn't draw any of the goddesses I have a second deck where I have silhouettes of yes. them because I didn't want them to become Disney princesses or all white people you know but a lot of times even in India like there's uh you know color um, there's a bias towards lighter skin. You know, I was in Kerala and all the posters were very, very white people advertising jewelry and hair products. And that's not what the people look like there. You know, the people look like me or darker, but there was this idea of beauty is whiter. And so when I did my cards, I was really, care- I didn't want to draw them. I wanted people to imagine what they were themselves. But when I do the second deck, which I call nicha Shakti, it's kind of a response to all the criticism I got from my first deck. Like my first deck, people were like, I wish I could see the goddesses. It's a shame that you can't see the yantras so well. I remember my girlfriend in Ireland said, it's a shame that you can't see the yantras so well. And I said, well, it was supposed to be all kinds of secrets, like they're kind of secret gems in the deck. And you don't see them because you're supposed to imagine them themselves. Like I said, all those things were deliberate. But and I and I really wanted people to use them in order, as we were talking about. And I noticed people were not using them in order. They really wanted to use them in that kind of pick a card oracle deck style. So then the second deck I made was a response to that. So I drew all the um, goddesses in silhouette again because of the racial. I think because I'm a black woman, and I'm very I'm very aware that the goddess gets pre- uh presented as a white woman. So I was like, I, I just can't have that. So I still have them in silhouettes, but I have like dreads, I have all kinds of different braids, different hairstyles. That the goddess can be every everybody. Like we all can be the goddess. And um and then in the second deck, I also have the yantros very, very prominent for people to use. And I don't have the numbers or the order. I just have that as a pl- way that I okay, I heard you. You don't want to count. People are like, I don't, don't want to count. I want you to tell me what they look like. I want to see the yantra. And so I was like, okay, I'll make a deck for those those people, you know? And I made it. And actually, I feel like it's one of the most beautiful things I've ever made in my life. So even though it was kind of like, I used to call it the dumb deck, or it's kind of like the dumb deck or the fuck you deck, like all the things that you wanted, but in the end, I'm like, oh my God, this is really beautiful. It turned out really well. And it just my response to what you know, you have to meet people where they are, you know? And so I thought, oh, okay, if I'm I'm losing people, my first if my first deck is into too intellectual and it's losing people, even though many people have told me it's been very important to me. But I'm like, these people I'm losing. I'm not changing this first deck. I'm just going to make something else in response. Mhm.
0: Yeah. And I'm glad I'm I'm super glad you kept the original too. You know, it's so important. And that that's the one that I've got and the one that I use and I it was it was especially during lockdown the two amazing women that I lived with, we would read them every night. We would sit and we'd read the description and and I think it was it was so evocative rather than it being um, you know, so, and like you say, an image handed to you. It was like, how does how does the do those words make me feel tonight? And what you know, we d- we didn't then end up having a conversation about how that description of the goddess related to our experience that day or that week or whatever. Um, that's
1: what I intended. That's what I intended. But and um, that's what I love. But like I said, I love the dumb deck too. I love yeah. Nietzsche Shakti too because then maybe. Maybe I had all these ideas about what it needed to be, right? But then maybe it can just, everything like we said is messy. Maybe there can be another way to experience them. Maybe you can just say I'm drawn to that one or I'm drawn to the one that's on the day I was born. You know, that's really important I learned from Uma. She said that day that you're born, the the phase of the moon, when you come back to that, phase of the moon on the day you're born, like I was born in a couple of she's You're very fertile, like you, she said, you can spontaneously ovulate on that day. Yeah. And I like, I'm in menopause, I'm not going to be, I don't think I'm going to be ovulating. But I just translate to that as to a day of an immense creativity. Mm mm-hmm. recognize and then just have that goddess that you were is just your it's I feel like she's my mentor she's bone Bone woman skull girl that that goddess is digging deep right and that's what I feel like I do I dig deep I unearth things I -hmm. I, you know so she has something special to say to me along with like lately I've been I made a deck but I haven't um, published it yet or anything but it's all done on all the nakshatras Mm -hmm. giving them voice because they don't get to have any voice they just get to when you study them it's just who they're connected to it's a girlfriend or a wife who's not allowed to speak and i thought oh my goodness i want them to have some voices so i made a deck where they get to speak for themselves
0: yeah and i think that's what's beautiful about what you shared earlier as well about um you know they're not your teachers encouraging you that some intuition and some kind of um feeling what the goddess is trying to say today you know in 2023 and 2022 and 2021 um is so important because these goddesses have been kind of cut out of mainstream society for a reason because it doesn't serve consumerist patriarchal ways to have them be prominent and most um hindi people that i speak to in nepal and in india have not heard of the nithyas and they don't they it's not something that's common to them um
1: i sell a lot of decks to india
0: do you that's great
1: yeah that's... it's really funny like all yeah. my first decks like the first deck i ever sold when i put it on my website went to calcutta and it's funny is because my lineage of yoga is out of calcutta and i've been spent time in calcutta and kali is so present there i felt like her eyes are on you everywhere you look Kali is looking at you or sticking your her tongue out at you or whatever and when I when I saw my first deck it was an order to go to Calcutta and I thought oh my goodness I must be on the right path you know
0: definitely definitely and I think that's again it's it's exciting because it shows that kind of wish well it doesn't necessarily but I, I have to, how I hear it, it shows that wish to kind of connect to, to these. Like uh, sisterhoods and um goddess cohorts that have been forgotten and that yeah. are not centered because they show the power of of the feminine.:
1: i like the word cohort," or Laura Amazoni used the word chakra. She calls them a chakras, like mm. the Yoganese chakra. And I like that too, because I think we don't get anywhere on our own. You know, we need a posse, and I love that these goddesses have their own posse like they hang with, like the Kali niches, they have the posse of them, just the Kali's. And then they have the totality of all the niches. And a lot of them are also Yoginis, almost all the same names are in the, in the Yoginis, so that they have these bigger and bigger groups that they're part of. And it's almost like our own lives. I have my pod of one Naya, or I have, naya and tim my husband who's kind of to my left on the couch and then i have big more bigger and bigger groups that i that i inhabit and those support systems are really really important so i love that the even the goddesses need some support
0: yes yes they really represent that don't they it's brilliant did your experience in childhood kind of encourage you that you could be creative because it sounds like you have so many different creative outlets like was your childhood encouraging of that
1: you know I have a lot of um uh sadness about that uh when I wanted to go to art school I got kicked out of the house my parents told me that they spent too much money on me for me to be an artist and i they wanted me to be a doctor. My dad had like a plan where I could go to medical school and college together and finish those together. so I was like became a great disappointment when I told them I want to be an artist. I was expected to be an intellectual uh alone, and I wasn't the person that drew all the time i who were just drawing everything that wasn't me. I was more of a a reader and a studier. I was also a competitive swimmer from when I was six years old. So I went to swim practice all the time, every day. I went to swim practice from when I was six to sixteen. So except for Sundays, we practice on Saturdays in the summer. We did doubles. We went. So I was really like in this competitive thing. But when I was looking at your questions, when I was in fourth grade, we studied. Uh, Greece all year in the school I went to I went to kind of hippie Quaker school until the end of fourth grade Then fifth grade I went to public school but we studied Greece all year and I just was so interested in the mythology and the art and the sculpture and the architecture that was amazing to me and another experience that was kind of formative I mean, been like seven years old. My parents went to London and took my brother and I, uh, and we went to all these plays. And a number of the plays we even stood up because it was standing room only. I don't even think they have that in US where we stood up and watched Amadeus. And so my parents always took me to the museum. They always took me to theater, but I think they hoped that I would just be a doctor who liked to go to the museum or like to go to theater, so when I decided to I wanted to be an artist that was there were all that's sort of there were all kinds of problems I got thrown out of the house and all these things and then I ended up going to art school, but I had so much guilt about not living up to people's expectations. I finished freshman year and then I came home some other things happened to me too I got attacked there, so it 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 messed up a lot of my confidence and I ended up studying architecture because I thought it would be uh, more respectable so very early on I gave up on my dream Mm. and that's when I tell people when you were kind of some of your questions reminded me of that of I would tell people not to give up on their dream I've even told somebody that Uh, one of my relatives wanted to be a writer And they were telling me how they were going to, I think, study math or something else so that they could be a writer on the side. And I said, wow, you're 16 years old. You're too young to give up on your dream already. You already have a side plan. And I told her, I said, I work in Hollywood and there are a lot of writers who make a ton of money. Does anybody tell you that? Actually, there are people who do well as writers. I'm not guaranteeing that but you're too young to give up. You haven't even tried, you know? So um, that it was very messy. And I still deal with that feeling that I'm d- disappointing people that I didn't do. Even though I know that I it's okay, like I'm beyond that, it's still there. I still feel that inadequacy that fact that I disappointed my parents or whatever so they weren't supportive Mm. at all
0: I'm so sorry that you experienced that and and the attack as well that's yeah I mean awful do you feel like almost that lack of support was was in hindsight also a kind of not an encouragement but like a a determination factor
1: I feel like I've always been negotiating my art you know okay. so I I even that I work as a set decorator in Hollywood it's a negotiation so some people are in there because that's exactly what I want to be mm-hmm. if you gave me a million dollars I would never work on another film or tv show again some people I I know I, they would they yes. absolutely would But not me. I would just be like I have these paintings that I was doing of the eight directions. I would just go back to painting the eight directions. You know, it wouldn't. I don't know. Maybe I would miss it. I miss working a little bit right now because of the strike. I miss the people. I miss Mm -hmm. the creative challenge. And also nobody is giving me a million dollars. But, you know, I feel that if I had been more supportive, supported maybe i would have gone for it in a different kind of way instead of always trying to do it on the side
0: mm. yeah i think that's such a key i mean it's such a theme through this podcast series around our creative good girl and how you know how it's such a journey to to reclaim that kind of the true essence and it sounds like like you said you went into architecture right and what what brought you back to what you'd originally set out to do—that kind of more, more yourself, your own version of art, artist. I, I
1: think I think I was really depressed in around two thousand three. Okay, and I couldn't remember who I was. I think I would just work so many hours and so much on these low-budget movies and television, and some not low-budget. And I just couldn't remember who I was. I didn't know who I was anymore. And I remember saying to myself, I remember I used to like to draw. I didn't even know if I liked to draw, but I just remembered I used to like to. And so I started taking uh, classes at Otis. And I started doing, I did the illustration certificate, just on a memory of something
2: that I remember I used to be. Mm. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I think that's such a a key unfortunately it does often take that kind of h- hitting a, a rock bottom or a kind of realizing that I for me it was a someone asking me what made me happy and realizing that I actually couldn't answer that question and that I could answer what I thought other people would say that would make me happy and I could tell you what so and so would make them happy but I couldn't answer that question about what would make me happy. And it's such a kind of Jarring moment when you, like you say, you realize that you don't actually know, that I didn't actually know who I am. And I'm so happy that you, you know, wiggled your way back (laughs) into what was, you know, more your path rather than what you thought was the right thing.
1: Yeah. I mean, and then from there, like now I really feel like I know what makes me happy. Mm -hmm. And a lot and a lot of things make me happy and drawing is definitely one of it and yoga and and i i mean i don't think lives are ideal but just to tell just i for me i just keep creating and i i i get a lot of ideas in shavasana it's one of the places where i get all i think 90% of my ideas and maybe the next 10% i get in my dreams
2: Mm-hmm. and
1: so i and i just honor it them as truth you know what i mean i don't second guess it and say no i could never do that or or who cares what as these epiphanies come to me in shavasana i just say okay i'll do that i'll do that let me write it down when i you know get somewhere to write it down and put it on the list, and start to work on it, in whatever way, sometimes it's just researching number of things, and that's simmering, and I'm finishing this, and sometimes my husband laughs, he's like, I forget about things, I was working on this Nitya Shakti deck for a long time, and then I just forgot about it, and for a year, and it was almost done, and then I looked at it, and oh my god, this is almost done, I have to, (laughs) let me push through and finish it, just forgot about it because i started working on something else and Mm. and so i mean it's crazy but i do forget about all the different things i'm working on but i i listen to the voices that come to
0: me was that a journey though like within the shavasana ideas was that a, a journey to to not to listen to them but to trust them like you said that word trust felt very important did it take some time
1: so I mean I think the ideas came when I trusted. Right. I I think in the early 2000s there were no ideas coming to me in shavasana. Mm-hmm. I think somebody once told me I think in a dream workshop in um at a at the Jung Institute the more you pay attention to your dreams the more you remember them. So I think it's the more I pay attention to what's said to me in shavasana the more things are said to me in shavasana. You know, I, I, I there must have been a time where I didn't even think there were voices or was receptive or anything. And it's not as if I'm lying in Shavasana say, tell me what to do next. It's just that idea of in that deep relaxation, when everything sort of falls away, um, then things come to me. And a lot of the practices I do when I do yin or I do still do a bit of Bikram they call 26 and 2. You don't have to get out of shavasana, mm-hmm. so the class ends in shavasana, and even some power that I'm in, they'll people get up, you know, and go back into close the class, and I'm just in shavasana. Sometimes my husband hits me. It's like time to go, you know. But for me, ending in in shavasana, I'm, I'm a lot of times exhausted or just really, really receptive
2: and I I I pay attention
0: yeah yeah I think that's such a beautiful way like the, the way you just described is that it wasn't until you had trust that then the ideas could come and I feel like it's do you know that book Big Magic by Liz Gilbert and she talks about how like we're conduits for ideas and if we don't acknowledge them and then they'll go you know they'll go to someone else or they'll go they'll they'll leave us and not they're not going to come into contact or contract with us if we're not receptive and we're not open to working with them and you know manifesting something with them so I love that
1: yeah and that's such a receptive position right your palms are up your chest is open your chin there's you know all the chakras are sort of open there and you're just there to re- receive. Yeah, and it's been very, um it's a very creative time for me. Or I don't know if I would say creative because I'm not creating, but it's a very important moment each time to come through it.
0: You said you re- you referenced earlier that you your menopausal has that coming into the to perimenopause and into menopause has that changed your creative practice at all?
1: I mean, it's funny, I I just am on fire sometimes. I have a lot of hot flashes, but I read something, I forgot in whose book, where they were talking about menopause being this power, as if you're like the Buddhist monks who can freeze sheets or set things on fire on their chest because they can t- change temperature. And us as women in menopause, or me, I have intense hot flashes and night sweats and you know other people my mother told me she doesn't believe in menopause she said something so mean to me she said um that's so strange that you have those things because usually that's just for people who don't have things going on in their life like only hot flashes and night sweats come to people who don't who are like don't have anything going on it's like oh that's interesting and my mom's a nurse so that's just even like funnier but um for me, I've just sort of reconciled. I haven't I'm not saying people shouldn't should should do what I do. I haven't gotten on any um any any medication or biodynamic stuff. I just ride the waves of it. I a little bit with a giggle, like now I'm on fire or my husband will call it out. Hot flash, you know. I just kind of at this moment, accepted it because something crazy happened is that I I had menopause, right, and all the hot flashes and night sweats. And then I worked in the Dominican Republic, and I was working in a trailer with all these women under 30. I had a lot of women near me, uh, young women, and I started to get my period again.
2: Mm.
1: For the whole time I was in the Dominican Republic, Mm. I got my period. I was with these young women, they influenced me. And then <laughs> now I'm going through all that stuff again. I think I'm going through menopause twice, <laughs> right. the second menopause, because now I'm all back. Now they're gone or I'm gone. They're still in the Dominican Republic and I'm getting all the night sweats. And But this time I think I have a more playful attitude towards it. It's just, I just say, oh, my, my, I can control goddess naya controls all temperatures i don't know that my body can do all these things it's sort of hilarious
0: (laughs) and has it influenced your creativity do you see any difference in what you're drawn to create
2: i don't know if it's menopause or getting older when you get older for me it's just
1: you have a a lower bullshit tolerance
2: Definitely,
1: so right. I just and I value my I, I value myself more I've also had certain successes that have come in the last couple of years that I never had before and so I'm more comfortable in my skin as I think women were becoming invisible you know there's this whole idea is that we get to become older women we become invisible like society has no use for us Really, like you go even, I think it's an eight and a half, where all the older women get sent upstairs. So, but there is like this power a power in Crondom. if I want to say that. The power of that you don't have to impress anybody. You don't have to you're you're not the object of the male gaze. So and in in being invisible, if you become invisible then you don't have to worry about anything and you can just focus on what you want to do. You know, if you, I mean, there's also the loss, you know, sometimes I look in the mirror and it's thought, like, Oh my God, you be so much cuter, you know? So there is that also that, Oh my, I'm losing my looks or like, there's a skin going on above my chest that never used to be there and whatever, you know, there is that kind of thing, but there's also this, like, I don't give a fuck. And I'm just going to do what I want to do. If I want to write about the nakshatras or whatever crazy thing I want to do, then it's fine. Because I just feel a lot stronger at 50 than I did at 20. I was so fragile, you know, so important what everybody had to say about me. And am I going to get a boyfriend or this or that? Or am I going to get in the right school? Mm-hmm. Uh, or whatever all those things are and and now I'm not saying it's gone but I definitely am stronger I, I don't know if that's menopause or I think it's more age but maybe it's both mm-hmm.
0: yeah and it, it just sounds like it's that what again what you were sharing earlier that kind of choosing choosing you choosing your art like being more unapologetic about what you're creating and why and you know like you said when you were 20 you were um looking at doing architecture because it made sense on on a piece of paper rather than now it's like what what you know yes set design is not maybe what you would do if you had a million dollars but it's it's to fulfill It's like, it's to fulfill the real art. It's to fulfill the art that is your art. Um, And when
1: I'm decorating, it can be very, very creative. And there is something nice about being in collaboration, just how there's something nice about not being in collaboration. And it's funny, when I started teaching yoga, you know, I tell, always tell people I've spent the last 27 years making environments for imaginary people, right? That's what I do for a job. I, make, I figure out what this imaginary person would have. And then some director or producer says, they would never have that. They would never have house plants, And I'm like, yes, they would have. And then the fact it is, they don't even exist. So how can we know if they have house plants or not, or if they like the color yellow or anything? So I'm already living in this completely imaginary world. But I was always being the support, like I'm making this for the director or the actor. I'm in the background. I make the background. But when I started teaching yoga, I became I was the star, or with Mm -hmm. my goddess decks or whatever. I'm actually the star of the story. I'm not making the background. I am the talent, and Mm -hmm. that was I am the teacher or I am the artist, the creator of the deck or whatever, and that was really fulfilling because I felt. I, so many years of my life went to the back and now I've gone to the front, at least in this aspect of my life. Mm. And it started with the yoga teaching, I think gave me confidence because I always thought I'm fat, I mean, I'm not fat, but I'm not traditionally skinny and not very flexible and nobody's going to want me to be their yoga teacher, right? Cause I don't look like the U S yoga teacher. But then I started teaching yoga and people kind of liked that I had a normal body and that I wasn't flexible. I was actually a very popular teacher and I was so confused about that. And I thought, what else have I decided I can't do or people don't want me to do it? Even one day when I was doing eagle pose, like I wasn't thinking about it. And I wrapped my leg, you know, the way you can wrap your leg. And I had already decided for many years, I'll never be able to wrap my leg because my thighs are too big. And this, I had all these theories that I didn't even know I had created. And then when I was thinking about it, I wrapped my leg and I thought, oh, my God, what other things have you decided that you can't do and that you have all these theories about why you can and you didn't even remember making the theories and they're just not true you know yeah and the mind lies i think the mind lies and the the stomach and the heart are more um they're more truth tellers
0: yeah the mind is more easily influenced by outside outside sources which would love to have you believe that you can't do things and that you should just stay small and not center yourself in your artwork as you're just talking about I love that that you're bringing yourself to the fore and um you know celebrating that in that in along those lines like I've seen that you've done a few you, you do market stalls occasionally do you find the conversations there you know around the goddesses do you find people are really intrigued when they see the goddess decks
1: yeah, I like doing the, whenever I'm doing a, I haven't done one in a while, but doing a show where I have the decks. Um, if I walk away from the table, who ever at the table, my husband or friends are like, you've got to come back to the table because nobody can explain it the way I can. And also, I think the enthusiasm of it all. So I, I'd like to be with the deck and, or all the things, because I also have some journals. I have a lot of things based on the deck. I have a, a journal that you go through the cycle of the moon that has some of the similarities to the decks or the moon salutation cards, or I have a lot of scripts, I have a lot of yoga niger scripts based on the moon that on Etsy store that people buy every day. People buy a script from me. I don't know. It's like, where are all these scripts going? But, yeah, it's 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 great to share it. it yeah. but there is something, it is great to make it. But even the deck itself, the first deck, was made in co- collaboration with the class because I saw that it was playing well in the class. You know what I mean? It was like people were interested. I w- There's one thing to be, you're interested, but nobody else is interested. and. When I would teach them lunar yoga, people were really interested. And very early in teaching yoga, I was teaching about the chakras or something. And I was teaching it in a very intellectual way. And a woman said to me, and she said, but how does this apply to me? Like, what does this mean for me? And so in my work, I really always remember her asking me that question, Siobhan. And even the deck, it says, I think they're always asking in your life, in your I try to put those questions in there for mm. people to always know it's about them. It's not just the intellectual mm-hmm. exercise, but actually it's it, it's something to engage you in internally. Mm.
0: Yeah, I agree. I really, I love sharing. I love being in those live environments where people are in, interacting and the conversations that I find spark up are just so interesting and seeing how people what questions people ask but also how they interact with individual goddesses or their natal moon goddess or you know just how how they want to to share their stories with me through the goddess you know it's it's so it's pretty magical
1: I'm really influenced by uh, Clarissa Pinkole Estes uh, women who run with the wolves and many years ago when I was in my 20s Like I had a boyfriend in Germany and I left him in the middle of the night because I went to Germany and I was there and we were having a good time. And then one day he said, I have to go see my girlfriend. And I was like, wait a minute, I'm your girlfriend. What do you mean you're going to have to see your girlfriend? And uh, he said, yeah, I'm going to go and and, um, go talk to her. And then I'll be back tomorrow and we'll go and meet my parents. And I had, I was so in shock, like this, This my whole world sort of crashed, and he went away, and then I went in a cab, and I, I took the train, out of Cologne, and to Paris because I had lived in Paris, and I had brought with me on the trip, women who run with the wolves, and I made a little video about this. This on my YouTube channel, but um, in the book, I said that in the the book was thick, right? It was too heavy to carry to Europe. But I had brought it anyway, because something about it really was um, compelling to me, but I hadn't had a chance to read it or look at it. So that whole train ride from Germany to Paris, from Cologne to Paris, I just read about all these myths and stories and how they related to my own life. And it was just incredibly powerful to me. And I realized from that, that when I went back to the goddess, it was many years later when I found out, did the niches and started working on them. But that kind of way to engage with the goddesses and find ourselves in them, I think really I attribute to her and also like that profound moment of sadness and like, what the fuck? And Mm -hmm. that book, just by the time I got off of that train in Paris, I was so strong. I was a different person that got on that train in Cologne.
0: Wow. What a powerful story. And I I agree. I think those archetypes being more accessible and allowing us to connect with them when when deities are kind of put as these external figures and obviously yeah we have the beautiful kind of depictions of the goddess and, and and gods and all deities and yet if if we're separated from them then then it's still a power over kind of dynamic and it's like we need to or we are by by creating these ways for people to see that the goddess and the and the, that archetype is within is you know that's where that's where the kind of the relationship deepens and for me it's like this word of this dance this dance can start to happen W- between the two
1: yeah because when i was studying ancient greek goddesses and gods i mean it was in fourth grade but i never thought like artemis meant anything to me Or right. now i do but or yes. hera means someone to me i just separated you know i'd studied them as like you know as a history thing or mythology thing but there wasn't a question in fourth grade and how, who do you see yourself in, and mm-hmm. what do these people? Are? That was missing, but when I read "Women with Who Run with the Wolves," all that you and me were together, we're the same. We, we, I, I have something for you to learn about yourself through me. Was there, and that was super profound.
0: Yeah. In that way, do you feel like? I know you do other social justice work but do you feel like almost creating these the creating these ways for people to interact with these archetypes and these goddesses is part of the social sort of social justice movement to to kind of give people their power or do you see it as more the other work that you do
1: I never thought of it as a um Social justice work, but maybe there's something to that. And the fact that I was really trying to depict all ethnicities and say that many kinds of people are beautiful. But I thought of it more as um, maybe not social justice, more like social work or psychology or introspection or creativity work or healing, deeply healing work. So if healing, if our personal healing can be transformative to society, it could be thought of that. But that isn't, like if you would say, put your social justice work, like write a list of what have you done for social justice, I wouldn't have before you mention it, put it over there. It's definitely my women, my feminist work, I think, Mm -hmm. in that way. Um, And it does have a a perspective that comes out of where I'm cited Mm -hmm. as an African-American woman, also a woman who, like probably everyone, has experienced loss and times of intense sadness and disappointment. I feel like that comes across the cards. I think if I had not been raped in my life, I wouldn't have been able to write those cards. If I hadn't been molested as a child, I wouldn't have been able to write those cards. If I hadn't been attacked in Rhode Island, those cards would not exist, you know. Those cards come out of, and then if I had an intense moments of joy, like have a really supportive loving husband, or, uh, you know, the ability to create and have had success in my creations, or an incredibly supportive sister, who's just to the moon helping me uh, recorded all the videos that I made of the goddesses over days. So also the positive experience of helped, but that those wouldn't exist, those cards without the totality of my experiences. Mm-hmm. So maybe some bad things have happened in my life, some horrific things that shouldn't have happened, but they have made me who I am. And I've said that to people and they have been like really surprised, you know, that oh wow you were you were raped and you can speak of it in a positive way not positive that was raped but the positive that that confusion loss scarring
2: is food for those cards yeah thank you so much for saying that
0: because i just i know that it will mean a lot to many people who are listening but I also and also I totally
2: resonate I mean I don't think
0: I'd have the relationship with the archetypes and be able to trans transmute things if certain things hadn't happened to me because they invite you though those deep dark Experiences that should not happen as you say, invite you to explore what being a human is, like the kind of the the depths of humanity, and all the things that you're told or I was told as a child won't happen to you it you know you're you're do these things be nice, smile, say say yes, please, then none of these things will happen um So, yeah, I think I really, really appreciate your share because that's that's real. You know, that's really the thing with creativity is that it often does come from such deep, dark pain. But it's that ability to transmute it. And like you say, see not not justify that you were raped, but to to find find not even beauty, but find find a way to kind of work with it, work with that deep grief and um
1: maybe reconciliation is maybe a word
0: too how do Uh, i
1: reconcile that
0: yeah
2: how do i
1: reclaim my story you know
0: yeah yeah and what you know what is what is the teaching what what do i what do i want to kind of bring through because of this experience um
2: yeah
1: and i think the cards are very much like i don't have any children so the cards are very much my children. All these art art projects, and especially, I don't know why, I really like to work with sequential art. The decks is something I'm just a. I don't know why, but I just accepted it now. So that's how I like to work. I like to do that. Um, but they become my my projects are my children, though. That's what I have to give back to the world. I know that, and I, I hope this doesn't sound arrogant, but when I'm gone, I feel like the decks will still be there, and I have I that's my offering, you know. I have a deck of um, of uh, mandalas that I drew and put together with quotes from the Upanishads and from Calcutta, this museum, these beautiful Buddhist mandalas, and it's very pretty. It's very small. It's like like a box of chocolates or whatever, a little little thing and uh when Kobe Bryant uh died and I love basketball in a helicopter accident I I wrote a card to him and I also took my uh that deck of cards and I took it down to the Staples Center the stadium down in Los Angeles and I I left them for him it was like this is my offering uh Mm. of this 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 sacred geometry deck and so these projects are What I I feel like this is what I have to give to the world. This is my unique take on it. This Mm -hmm. is what I saw. This is what I was called to do. And here I'm I I've given it to you like a gift. I've never really made any. I don't think any money off the decks. You know, because for the first deck I paid a graphic designer to lay everything out for me from my things that I was giving out, and it was a bit of money and. You know, I don't I, I don't print that many, so it's not really anything that I've I think I've ever recouped costs on. But whenever people buy them, and people continually buy them, and people write me these beautiful um, emails or things on Etsy or whatever, telling me how inspired they have been, or sometimes people put it up on their Instagram story, and I think, oh my goodness, like my baby, like my retelling of the story whatever this transmission is is it matters Mm. uh what i made matters my life matters uh i've been able to help with that alleviating of suffering that we were talking about in the very beginning of the conversation
2: yeah and
0: you've given you know you've given voice to this is my feeling given voice to goddesses that have been silenced it's like again it's that in a way that's where I feel this kind of almost social justice but I think maybe healing justice like you say it's it's that giving the social justice is the giving voice to the marginalized communities in so many different facets of our society and I feel like by giving voice to these kind of cohorts of goddesses is a, is a similar thing because it's like, you know, it's, we could have, do a whole podcast about why they've, why they've been sort of slowly disappeared from, from the kind of normal, um, or you know, common commonplace worship within the Hindu, the modern Hindu world. Um, probably, I, I'm definitely not sort of qualified to do that, but, but I can kind of surmise or guess as to why they might have been and so it's it's I feel like that's part of this work and I had the same thing as you in that I I was very unsure about whether to put them out there and especially you know as a white woman who has I've lived in India and Nepal but still it doesn't make me Indian or Nepali or South Asian or you know it doesn't give me right to do it um but I had so much encouragement and so much kind of messages from people just being like, it's, it's, it's a retelling. You're not saying that this is the goddess, this, that this is the only way to see her. This is your way. And this is your giving, giving a platform to these goddesses to kind of start to rise again. And I feel like that's, that's what this, I feel like it's almost artivism. I don't know if you resonate with that kind of yeah I mean I
1: totally I totally do I do know that I just finished this nakshatra jack and I do want to move away from Hindu Hinduism and Hindu goddesses I feel and as I get more stronger in myself I feel like now I feel my own cultural background has a more of a validity Mm -hmm. that I need to dig into Mm -hmm. where in the time when I made all these things I was just so enamored and still am with yoga with Hinduism with these gods and goddesses and the the canon and that being that like looking at that as a world canon and world culture but I do feel like I'm gonna I have a few things to tie off you know the list is you know big But and the next thing I've been starting to design um, textiles mm. and I'm really looking into the weaving of of things that are coming from my ancestry. I'm moving. Mm. I'm trying to. I don't know how long it'll take me to get there because I do want to tie off things. But I do want to sort of work with my Golikichi, my West African, even my Greek ancestry and and find see what I can actually find within myself that's where eventually I want my work to go mm-hmm. because I I know that I've done all this work and I trust that I did it because it spoke to me and I really felt like I had something to offer or something I needed to work through but as I think more about decolonization And accept more of who I am as as being worthy, and the traditions that I'm from as being worthy, Uh, and you know, even I'm my mind was colonized, and where these things were more important than who I am, you know, and so I want to move towards that in my art. I'm, I'm shifting slowly and the textiles i've been designing have a lot of like west african influence and then just personal what's my personal imagery right we learn all this manch- these uh, uh mudras right i i go i study yoga in a school which is so influenced by mudras and integrative yoga therapy and then i was in a uh a workshop at pacifica uh, a graduate school in santa barbara and the guy was the psychologist was looking at the way people were working with his hand, their hands moving their hands in a dream interpretation and the psychologist and the dreamer together found their own mudras what were the mudras that came from them and i had the, never thought about like i have my own mudras mm-hmm. not maybe they're not in the book of 108 and they also are valid and maybe the 108 mudras that I studied in yoga school were just somebody else's mudras coming out of their dream. And I, am I in their dream doing their mudras? And in fact, would it be, is that weird? Is that not authentic? Because I'm doing their stuff, but that doesn't have to do with my stuff. So I'd like to move my work more into the personal, into the microcosm to have the macrocosm. But it's going to take some time because I still have to. I have this emotional wisdom deck. I have the nakshatra deck. I have these half-finished paintings on the um, the ten directions in Mm -hmm. Hinduism. So, like to get through all that and then sort of figure out what this next stage is going to be.
0: Well, I for one, I'm very excited to see what comes through with that. You mentioned as well uh, your Mary your Mary
1: study oh yeah so I did on Instagram I can't believe it's October again so in last October I did a Mary for every on Instagram for every day for the Inktober challenge I don't know if you have that in Europe but in
2: yeah we do
1: California okay so because I was in Dominican Republic and just seeing Mary everywhere And I thought, oh my God, Mary is just like a Hindu goddess. I thought because there's she has so many names, just like um, like Kali or Lalita or whatever. There's so many Marys. I thought, oh my God, I didn't know that that Mary was just another Hindu goddess. I don't know. It's probably so sacrilege. And so I was seeing her everywhere. Every street was like Mercedes or Our Lady of this or like. And I also had lived in Paris when I was young and all the cathedrals are like, I thought, oh my goodness, there's so many Marys. I want to explore Mary the way I uh, explore the niches. And so that was my first stage of, I have a lot written down about each Mary. And then I found out that there's this whole chant, the litany of Loretto. And I've been to Loreto in Italy. I went there with my husband once because he's Italian-American. And then there's a, I don't know, have you ever been there? There's a cathedral. There's a cathedral, but inside is Mary's house from Israel that was supposed to have flown over, like they're pictures of it with wings, went down in Italy. Some people say got on a boat. There are other paintings with a house, like on a boat. And it's there. And then they um, built this huge basilica around it, right? Oops. That's my wind chimes. I guess they knew I'm talking about Mary. They decided to hit him. So we got there to Laredo. And I always was really interested in the Madonna of Laredo, too, because she's the Black Madonna. So, like, there are all these things happening. And I was in Italy. I kept seeing this Black Madonna with a child. She looks like my cousin Lucretia and her son Bryce. So I was like, oh, so we go to Laredo. We don't know. There are people everywhere. Like, it's a huge site, like Lords or whatever. And you go in the cathedral, and then there's Mary's house. And I've been to Israel. I did archaeo- archaeology in Israel when I graduated from college. And it looks like something out of Israel, this house, flat roof house. And when I went in there, like the power from this house, everybody's chanting it. I just fell to my knees. It was like I got hit by a lightning bolt, you know, Mary's house in Italy, in Laredo. And so there's this thing called litany of Loreto, which are all the names of Mary as a chant. Mm -hmm. Like just like we would have in yoga and Hinduism. So I thought, oh my goodness, like I have to work with that. So the way I tell you I work on ideas is I work with them over time. So I did that challenge of making all those sketches, and I thought maybe I'll I'll make some paintings because I had a dream about Mary. Like all dirty, like an Anselm Kiefer painting, like really blocked out and everything, and like in a in a smoke and 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 snow and just I have one of the images on Instagram like that, and she came to me like that, and I also thought like Mary might be really sad, too, about the world in, in caging of children. I have a one of my Marys. I have her like with Barb Rye on her, and all this just like what would Mary you know as they say what would Jesus do I was always thinking like what would Mary think you know yeah. and that Mary has all these ways that she is our lady of this our lady of that our lady Madonna Misericordia was one of my big totems in my life with the big cloak like having the, the the people under her I wanted to be her like protecting people so I thought oh my god there's so much work around Mary to look at her to dissect her what is she saying what's she thinking so yeah I forgot about Mary see how I forget about things so I did those like 31 drawings and then now they're just sitting there in my sketchbook and I want to do paintings from all of them I had this idea that I would make these huge paintings and then you would have a scanner on your phone and you scan the QR code and then I would just like be Mary or have like talk mm. from that, like tell a monologue like for color girls who have considered suicide when the rainbow's enough that play we all have monologues, and like have each Mary have a monologue, but oh my God, it's such a huge thing, I don't even know how, and then I forgot about it, but now i uh, now I have to go back, and then I thought, oh my God, it's October again. How can it be October again? and I haven't checked in with Mary since last October, but i I'll, I'll get to it
0: yeah and and it's like you said about I love that in the past maybe those big ideas and things that feel like almost you don't even know how you would do them you would have maybe shied away from but now it's like no like bring in the ideas they're on the list they'll get you know they're coming they're in their own perfect right timing Mary will you know Manifest exactly as she's meant to be, and I love the idea of interacting. And you know, a monologue for each one. How stunning! How stunning! I love yeah. that. Yeah,
2: yeah.
0: Oh, Naya, thank you so much for your time. I'm going to end with one last question, which would okay. is just. a just say just. That's not. Yeah. There's no just. Is there anything that feels important to say that we haven't already said around this kind of process of re rewilding, reclaiming? our creativity because i feel like so much of what you have shared has been about this kind of again the gradual process that trusting in time of how you've now got to a place where more than ever you're in more in alignment with your creativity and what you want to create is there anything that kind of
1: well i would just say um Something that was really powerful to me that Clarissa Pinkolia Estes wrote about was the mistaken zygote syndrome. I don't know if you know about that. It's the idea that like maybe when we were carried by the stork or whatever, when we were ready creative people, were are kind of going to get put and planted in what womb or go into what house we're going to live our lives on. Sometimes if you were a zygote and you were so creative, You were jumping and excited to be born again in the world that you might have jumped out of that boat or that stork's wings or whatever, and got in the wrong house. You know, you were just so excited. You got in the wrong family. You got in the wrong house. And they didn't understand you because you, you just, you kind of just like jumping too fast, too excited, you know? So. I know maybe a lot of me like I was a mistaken zygote. I was in the wrong place maybe. I didn't get the support that I needed exactly how I wanted. But we can create other support systems just mm-hmm. like the niches have. They have their own support systems, their own posse. We can call other people father, mother, sister, you know, uncle and and find that community you know, wherever it is, doesn't always necessarily come out of the family. But you can find it other places. So I definitely want to say that I also want to say what I'm navigating now with my goddess work, especially when the last teacher training that I had, that were several trans people in there, is I don't know if I have all the language that I have to look at the work is how can the work become more inclusive how can the work sometimes leave maybe leave out the word woman or sisterhood and become kin you know I'm not I haven't had it all figured out but as a person who's been locked out of things sometimes by race or class or gender I don't want to become the oppressor Mm -hmm. you know I don't want to You know what I'm saying? So it's something also that I'll have to re-examine in my work and move forward is just simple things like kin, the word kin, can make things more inclusive. When I first made my work, I thought it was for women. But the person who was most excited about the niches in my yoga class was a, a white straight guy, Larry. He even made an app for me for a while where you could go on the app and figure out about the goddess of that night. So also, it's just interesting. We have in our our head who the work is for, but in the end, we don't know who the work is for. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really important to just re-look at everything and keep looking at it and making sure that, at least myself, that I'm not shutting people out with just a few things that I could do to make it so it's approachable to everyone, mm. if that makes sense.
0: Oh, it makes so much sense. And I think it's, yeah, such an important message. Oh, I just, I think that's such a, a poignant point because it's it is the work of our time right now for sure it's like what ne absolutely needs to happen is is this inclusivity and stopping the binaries and stopping the um you know closed groups yeah having words be more kind of considered and i love that word kin it's such a good word i like like folks or things like that that just mean that it is just about a, a community a sense of community rather than yeah genders or specific like classes or whatever it is releasing that
1: I also want to say like I don't again like from the very beginning I don't have all the answers I definitely do don't do everything right I'm not uh, I'm not always even this peaceful yogi I get upset I get emotional I make mistakes I fall down but you know I dust myself and get back up and I think um as a creative person it's hard to be a creative person it's hard to work if you have to work and do your creativity to or figure out how to be creative and work or if you have a lot of projects you want to do like me to figure out how to do them but there's a quote that i really like out of basketball and it was everything you want is on the other side of hard whereas mm-hmm. that you have there is this si- this um abiasa this idea that you really have to be tenacious and do the work mm-hmm. in order to um you know live in a non-traditional life you know if your job is not enough there are all these other things that you want to do then sometimes the television has to go off or you don't i don't go to a certain part i'm not saying like be live like a monk or whatever but just know that, I just know that I need to find that time somewhere, and those decisions have to be made.
0: Yeah, you know, yeah, definitely. There's like the, that discipline, bringing in that Tapasya, that kind of slightly more like blinkered or streamlined focus to know, actually for me at the moment my practice is is like asking myself you know what what do I want for my future self is is it watching this Netflix (laughs) show or is it like to get an early night and wake up refreshed or spend an extra hour doodling whatever it might be that I'm working on and it's it's really that kind of yeah again a dance a dance with like who do do I want to be who who am I um, and where, where, what, um, the other thing as well, what message am I giving to the universe, like, because essentially, that's what I'm calling in, if I'm spending my time, my valuable time is like currency. So if I'm spending it on, um, you know, consumerist type things, then I'm maybe calling that in too. And so yeah, it's an exchange.
1: And I don't, I don't want people to be severe. Like I was watching TV all last night or whatever. I made that choice and I was yeah. just like on the couch and I was in heaven. I had pop I ate too much to eat. I watched stupid things and everything, but not always. You yes. know? And, and when I do it, I also, I'm like, I know I'm doing it. You know? yes. That's what I want to do. That's where I need right now. And sometimes I think, when I talk to my friends or my husband, it would be easy. I always think it would be easier to be not a creative person. Be, maybe it be easier not have 30,000 projects that I want to do. <laughs> but would it be as fun? Would mm-hmm. my life be as interesting? You know, they always say, may you live in interesting times. Even in my body is like, I think, interesting times because it's like bubbling. You know, it's, it's, it, it's exciting to be alive. And want to make things, so yeah. it's okay, you know. I I don't. I'm not giving that up. Being a creative person because it would be easier not to have 30 things that I want to do because those 30 things bring me a lot of joy, and I think joy is 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 really maybe the most important.
0: Mm-hmm. Me too. Me too. What a beautiful place to to end. Follow the joy. Find the joy. Um, could you just share with us uh, in words where we can find you and I'll put it in the show notes as well.
2: Yeah.
1: Okay. So I am on Instagram at Naya Petrinos. So I'm the only Naya Petrinos in the world. So that's, that's pretty good. And I post, I haven't been posting last couple of weeks because I went back to school during the strike. So that was a new thing for me. But I, I normally post there. And also, you, there's a link there to my Etsy store. I have a lot of stuff on my Etsy store and my uh, website for yoga and art, which is artyogafusion.com. But the but I have the most of my offerings on the Etsy store, more than are on my website. And then if you're interested, in, oh, I have a Facebook page um, moon goddess deck i think or moon goddess cards where i try to post every day about the goddess so i'll give that to you to put there and then um if you're interested in seeing my set decoration work i have naya that's my professional work in film and television and so i think that's kind of where i'm at and that that Naya Petrino's name makes it very easy because there's like only one of me. Yeah, and so you can I'm pretty easy to I always tell people I'm pretty easy to find, and I, I get back to people. People message me on Instagram or on Facebook or whatever or my email too. And that's uh, nayaPetrinos at Yahoo.com. So all those things I'm 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 happy to get back to people. There's some meditations on my website. Oh. Also, I have a YouTube channel, has a lot of meditations and yoga on it. And I have a lot of goddess meditations on Insight Timer. So, oh my god, I have like 20 million places. To oh, go cool. to maybe I, didn't I didn't know you are
0: on Insight Timer. That's great. I might check
2: yeah. that too.
0: Insight
1: time- Timer is really cool because I think I have this Full Moon Yoga Nidra that might have over twenty thousand plays on it or something like that. You you reach a lot of people on Insight Timer.
2: Incredible, amazing.
0: Yeah. Okay, I'll check that out too. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time today.
1: Thank you for having me. I'm really honored that you wanted to speak with me, and i I hope i I hope it was interesting for people.
0: Oh my gosh, it was so interesting for me. So I think it will be, and like you say we're both of us open to uh, any any kind of um sharings about what this conversation brought up today um it's really always really interesting to connect with fellow creatives and hear your journey I just think it's I, I think that's what's inspiring is that real talk around the wildness of a creative journey and how yes we get taken off track and yes we say yes to the things that Um, we think we should do and what society kind of expects of us and eventually as creatives we as you said in the last story the stork story you know our wildness kind of takes us back to where we were always meant to be thank you for listening to our conversation today please do like and subscribe to the podcast to make sure you don't miss a future episode